Welcome to the Wealth Edit Podcast, a place where talking about finances is only polite. We talk to women and hear the stories behind how they've built their beautiful lives, whether that be inside or outside the home. Join us every week as we talk ambition, determination, and success with some of the most interesting, powerful women in the Southeast and beyond. Good morning and welcome to Wealth Edit Wednesday. We are really excited about having Connie Babakin. I always tell her, I, I, I said this to somebody the other day, I was like, every time I introduce somebody, I like hesitate. I don't know why. I do think we've had some unusual last names recently, but Connie is the owner of the Pillow Bar and it's and a new mom. She just had a baby a couple, not even two weeks ago, so she's a rock star already. But Connie has a really amazing story um, of going through having experience in a lot of different fields, but now also having the opportunity to become the president and CEO of um, the Pillow Bar. So Connie, we're super excited to have you today and can't wait to hear more of your story. And so usually we just ask, can you just maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, of course. No, and thank you so much for having me. It's so great to talk to you guys. Um, so I am from Dallas. Grew up in Dallas. I'm the oldest of three. I have two younger brothers. Um, my mom growing up was a stay-at-home mom. She has now become an entrepreneur and doing incredible things. But um, growing up, she was home with us. And my dad worked for and continues to work for um, a family business that was actually started by my great-grandfather in the 30s, um, moved on to my grandfather, and is now um, led by my dad and my uncle. So growing up, business was a huge part of our life. I mean, the family business it's it, anyone who's in a family business can tell you it's really hard to separate those two. Um, it's a lot of blurred lines between that and just grew up. Um, the company is called Hunt Consolidated. So Hunt was a huge part of our life. Um, I spent every summer in the mailroom. We go to all the Christmas functions, the annual meetings. So got to see firsthand early on kind of what it took to run a business. And that's just been ingrained in us from um, really day one, which has been wonderful. So when it came time to go to college, I stayed in Dallas, went to SMU, which is coincidentally where my parents went, my grandparents went, my aunts and uncles, my brothers. Um, so went there. And like a lot of people, I didn't know what to major in, but you know, it's familiar with business. So I decided to stick with that double majored in finance and economics. Um, and then when it came time to get a job, again, I wasn't really sure what to do. I was always jealous of the people that knew exactly what they wanted to do because that wasn't really. Um, so I was looking for something where I could learn as much as possible and had the opportunity to work at Goldman Sachs for three years, which was fantastic. I learned a ton. It was super hard <laughs> and all kinds of things, but it was an amazing place to start my career. So I was at Goldman for three years. Um, and then, like a lot of people, I'm kind of figuring out the next step, went to business school. Again, I wasn't sure what to do. So I went to UCLA, um, moved out to Los Angeles, finally left Dallas, um, decided to go to the big city, and <laughs> spent two years in business school, which is where I met my husband, um, and now the father to my two children. Um, and after business school, was given the opportunity to go back and work full-time in our family's business at Hunt. So moved back to Dallas and got to work with my dad and my grandfather and my uncle working at our, our family energy company. And it was incredible to spend that time working with them and to see that, you know, that side of them um, in the professional setting. And it was so rewarding, learned a ton. 
Um, but then kind of, you know, as, on the life side of things, I had my first son, so I got pregnant in um, 2019, had my son in December of 2019. And the day that I was supposed to return from maternity leave was the day that the pandemic hit. So it was our first day working from home. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the whole world changed. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden here I am with this baby and then spent the next year at home you know, working remotely. And like a lot of people had time to kind of think and reflect and, um, you know, my life was changing in multiple ways. And like all of us just, you know, dealing with COVID um, and this coincided with an opportunity to buy the pillow bar, which is a local business that we've been longtime customers of. Um, and I kept going back to this piece of advice that my grandfather has always given, and he's my mentor and um, just somebody that I look up to in so many ways. And he's always told us, treat everything before you're 30 as a learning experience. Um, and I turned 30 coincidentally, right when all this was happening. So I, I kept coming back to that thinking, okay, I've spent 10 years trying to learn as much as possible. This opportunity is here. And I, I have this opportunity then to take everything that I've learned and really put it into practice. So I thought after a lot of prayer, a lot of um, talking to people, why not? And took the risk and, and bought this company and started as the president, um, I guess, two or three months ago. And it's been incredible. So it's kind of a windy, odd turn, um, but now I'm here. So That's awesome. Well, I love that you said treat everything before you're 30 as a learning experience. That's a great piece of advice and one that I'd love to share with my girls because I think there's so much pressure, especially now. I mean, mine are both in high school, but they are already being feeling the pressure of knowing what they want to do with their lives and just, you know, thinking through, like, if you don't know what to do and you have the opportunity to go to graduate school, that's a great way to do it. But then also just to not give, like, put so much pressure on yourself to say, I need to be able to (laughs) know exactly what I want to be. I mean, as every, a lot of the people, a lot of our members have heard my story, but obviously there's been a lot of twists and turns and that, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. I love that. And then I also love that you've gotten the opportunity to work with your family. And so clearly they instilled in you that the, the feeling of belonging and being a part of the family business from the beginning, was it hard to say that you were going to leave and do your own thing? Honestly, it was so hard. That was the hardest part out of all of this. Although I think, you know, like a lot of people, I built it up in my head to be this extremely tough conversation. I remember sitting down with um, my grandfather. We, we meet every month and we just kind of talk about life and business and things like that. I was shaking. I was so nervous. And he was so excited. He like got a round of champagne and it was just I was shocked at how supportive everyone was. Um, I think coming from a family that's, you know, rooted in a family business, he's an entrepreneur, my mom's an entrepreneur. They were just happy and excited. We've always been encouraged to take risks. And that's something I'm really grateful for. That, you know, they've supported us along the way with all of our crazy, weird ideas. Um, so they were all for it. And I think it helped that they knew this company. It's, it's a local Dallas company. We've been they, their customers, they're actually the ones that um, told me about the pillow bar. They, they travel with their pillow bar pillows. So growing up, I have these memories of like my parents, my grandparents, you know, lugging their pillows on the airplane and things like that. So I think they, they were really excited. So it was a hard conversation, but it was just hard in my head. Actually having it was, um, was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. I had somebody tell me like, don't put off 48 hours 
of pain for a lifetime of happiness. Yeah. Because, you know, it's like the awkwardness of telling somebody that you're changing directions or whatever it is, even if it's leaving a job, usually like the shock and drama of that lasts about 48 hours and yeah. then you settle into the, okay, now it's happening. And like how often we put off those things just because yeah. we don't want to just like go through that 48 hours of uncomfortableness to, exactly. to have a lifetime of, you know, doing what you love. So yeah, my uncle, no, exactly. And my uncle, when I was talking to him, um, he said the same thing, exactly what you were saying. He said, you know, it's not me at the end of the day on your deathbed saying, man, I wish I did something. Like he was like, go for it. You know, you're the one that um, is in control of your life. So you got to take risks and um, we just have to support one another. So it's always way worse in our head. And that was just kind of a good reminder for me too, to your point of just um, what's the worst that can happen. We're all just trying to do our best. Um, and people are generally so much more supportive than what we give them credit for. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, tell us about the, how you've kind of grown it and expanded the pillow bar, like what kind of your vision for how to make it, make it yours. So the beauty of this, this company and this opportunity was that, you know, day one, I'm, I'm um, walking into an extremely stable, profitable, well-run business. So I, it's not like I need to fix anything day one. This company is um, moving and grooving. It had an incredible year in 2020 with everyone being at home, um, recognizing the importance of sleep and kind of thinking about what's in their home. It was a really tremendous year and we continue to see that growing. So it, there was no pressure day one to come in and make a bunch of changes. Um, and with that, I'm, I'm trying to learn, kind of going back to like learn as much as possible. I'm trying to take these first six months and just learn and absorb before I come in and think I can make all of these changes because there's probably some very valid reasons as to why we're in the place that we're in. Um, however, with that said, I do think that this is a market that will continue to grow. You know, as we think about and prioritize our physical and mental health, sleep is such a key component of that. Um, and I think people, people know that, but are really starting to appreciate that again with all of this time at home. Um, and also just the quality of our products. It's 100% like pure Hungarian down. Everything that we have is free of chemicals, free of toxins. Um, I think that what we offer is something that people are going to continue to appreciate. So Merrimack, who's the founder of the company, never did a ton of marketing. Everything has kind of grown organically. So I think that there's a lot of opportunity with just some even limited market marketing spend to open up um, a whole new audience for our products. So no immediate changes to do anything crazy, but taking notes along the way um, and feel good about what we offer. So yeah. And for those of you who are listening, I mean, the pillow bar is so much more than just pillows. I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. No, the, what other products you have? Yeah. So it started out as custom pillows. Um, the founder, her husband went through a pretty traumatic spinal injury um, and went through surgery and asked every doctor, what can I do to help him recover? What is the best pillow, the best mattress? And no one could come up with an answer for the best pillow. So um, she's awesome. And she created this machine in her garage to come up with this perfect pillow for her husband, who is now fully recovered, um, but basically built the product and was the, the customer that she was um, you know, looking for. That was her. But then we've since expanded into pretty much everything for your bed, for your bathroom, and for travel. So we have um, all kinds of linens, bath linens, bed linens. We have fun travel products, travel pillows, um, you know, travel 
travel pouches, gifts, things like that. So we're trying to expand thoughtfully, um, but just fun things for, again, your bed, bath, and travel. Yeah. And they're beautifully embroidered for free. And it's not just like a monogram. It's like beautifully done. It's pretty fun. No, that's my, one of my favorite parts of all this is like you said, we offer free custom embroidery, um, which I think we talked about this before. It's the personalization of anything. It's just, it makes it really special. And particularly with a pillow, it's very personal. It's something that like you spend eight hours a day with every day. So um, we get all kinds of interesting things on these pillows, you know, ranging from Bible verses to beautiful monograms to things that I can't really mention on this podcast. So like, you, you see it all and um, you see, it, it's just, it's fun to see what people choose to put on it. And yeah, the monogramming is beautiful as well. Well, tell us about, um, it, it's interesting. We've had a lot of people on, but I think you might be our first person that's actually like, acquired a business. And when you're acquiring a business, you're also acquiring culture. So kind of tell us how you're, you're navigating that. So that's been, um, that's something I've been really trying to focus on. Cause like you said, you, you acquire culture. And, um, before I bought the business, you know, the fundamentals were there. It's a, um, it's a profitable business. It, it looks great on paper, but I really wanted to make sure that where I was about to spend five days a week was a place that was happy and that it had the kind of culture that I was looking for. And it did. So that was a huge kind of on the um, due diligence side. Once it checked the obvious financial boxes, the, the biggest thing for me was culture. And these women, it's an all-female team, which is fantastic. Um, Merrimack has been really thoughtful about who she's hired. So I was nervous meeting these women, but after a few days, I mean, I just found it to be the most supportive and kind group of women. Um, and she has done a great job of setting the right tone. I mean, everyone just genuinely cares for one another and trusts one another. I mean, I, today, which was so sweet, had somebody on the team drop off a meal for me um, with our new baby. So it's just, it's making sure that you keep that up, whether it's through, you know, we eat lunch together every single day. Um, we make an effort to support one another when we're going through life changes. We, we trust one another so that if somebody has a sick child and has to leave that day, you know, we're not going to like, you know, penalize somebody or you know, go look at the timesheet. And it, it's very much just to trust one another and help each other out. And I think that starts from the top and it really works all the way, um, all the way down. And do y'all have any, so this is not real, this is kind of going in a little, do y'all have any like national partnerships or how, how is, okay. So tell us about that. Yeah. So we do. So we, um, we have our website where we offer products directly to consumers. However, we also have national retail partners, which are so important to us. And especially starting out, I think getting our, our brand out there, the reach that these companies, these national partners have was huge. So we sell on Bed Bath & Beyond. We sell on um, Neiman Marcus and Horchow. Dillard's, Macy's, we're now on um, Land's End. Um, we're in specialty sleep stores across the country, but that's been a huge part of our uh, kind of retail strategy. It's, we only just redid our website about, I guess it was eight months ago. Um, so the prior to that, our, our main focus was working through um, retail partners. So we, and that's still gonna be a huge part of our business going forward, even as our website grows. But yeah. And how did those, I guess that was before you, but so did, did you transit, how did that transition go to the, you know, you as the new, it just, it's a really interesting thing because 
most people like we're building a business from scratch, but it, you know, it's really a neat thing to think about acquiring a business and, and really digging into that because there might be some women listening that are like, yeah, I'd much rather buy something that has a great name and like, yeah. you know, I'll certainly add my touch over time, but generally like it's a well-respected brand in my community. So, you know, anything you can share on that, I think would be really helpful. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, um, that was huge was, you know, the transition I was very lucky in that the founder and I immediately clicked. And for anybody who's, um, you know, in the process or, or interested in buying a business or in kind of in that stage, you know, the, the relationship with the existing management is so crucial. And I'm so lucky that um, Mary MacDillon and I have that type of relationship because I lean on her so much and she's agreed we wanted to spend time working together. This wasn't like a clean handoff by any stretch. So we are working together. She's staying on through the end of the year. So we're working kind of in tandem um, for about four to five months. Um, and that's been huge because she has all that institutional knowledge. She knows why things are the way that they are. She knows where all the stuff is. So even simple questions like, hey, where's this tag? She can tell me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also kind of explaining the personnel, HR, having somebody to walk you through all that is crucial and if she had done kind of the okay business is yours it would still be fine but it would be a much harder process so that relationship has been huge um and the fact that she's been able to stay on is not only because I'm on maternity leave now but just um us working together has made this all much more seamless and I think had has helped the team also embrace me more. Um, you know, they've been so great day one, but I think a lot of that is because she embraced me. Um, so the relationship with the with the current management again is is crucial. So um, big, yeah, big piece of advice for people looking going through this process is to to find somebody that you can trust and that you can call and that you can rely on because you'll need that. Mm-hmm. Well, so tell us a little bit about the process of what it was like. I mean, how did you, did you hear that the pillow bar was on the market? Was it a, like a, a family connection? How did that even start? And what was the process like? Like, what were the steps that you took in order to kind of get to the point where you're like, okay, I'd like to buy it, you know, because I think, you know, oftentimes you'll hear you know, I think so-and-so is actually interested in selling the business, but like, what does that look like kind of from the inside? Mm-hmm. So we'd heard, um, I was not personally, um, you know, familiar. I, I knew sort of of Merrimack, but we had never met. We had no prior relationship before this, but she knew that we, being in Dallas, she knew some of the same people that I did. And um, she had reached out actually to my, to my parents as longtime customers just sort of putting kind of a feeler out there. You know, she's um, at a point in her life where she's grown this. Like she's been there like hustling for 20 years. And I think rightfully so. She's at a point where she's ready to go and enjoy time with her husband um, and retire. So she was not in a, was not a fire sale or anything like that. And it was yeah. truly like a very thoughtful, methodical process where nobody was in a rush. So she, you know, very thoughtfully put out the feeler and we took our time. I mean, I would say from the first conversation we had until closing, it was probably a year and a half. Um, so this wasn't like a, a speedy, hurried process, which I think gave me a lot of comfort. Um, we really took our time and it started out just with some initial conversations, um, you know, no numbers, things like that, but just kind of talking about the business and getting to know her, going back to that 
you know, how important the relationship side of things is. Um, we wanted to make sure that we trusted her and um, that we believed in the underlying concept. So then from there, we moved on to kind of the basic financials. She gave us historical financial statements. Um, we, my dad and I, say we, my dad and I built out a pro forma. So like thinking about, okay, here's how things have been going. Obviously 2020 was an incredible year. You know, what do we think that we can do with this company? Where do we think we can grow it? We looked at all kinds of different sensitivities, not to go into too many dorky details. Um, and just kind of through stress testing, realized that this can withstand a lot. Um, it's a profitable business, profitable business and um, should remain a profitable business. And with a few tweaks could really grow. So once things checked out from the financial standpoint, then we moved into the team component. We met the team. I spent several days up there kind of, I won't say undercover. I'm sure the team knew exactly what I was doing, but Maramont was nice kind of just teaching me about pillows. I would show up and we would, um, you know, make pillows. They'd show me the embroidery machines, but never, you know, overtly talking about the sale. But I, I was able to get to know each of the team members one-on-one. And as soon as that clicked, it was, then it just became, okay, let's get these docs going. This is great. Um, but it would say really started out with the founder, then the financials, and then the team and the culture. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. And I think that um, I know you said you you went to business school and then you also were in the financial industry. How important was that knowledge in helping like think through the decision to to buy the business? I know you said your dad helped, which I know is often just like so important to have a trusted advisor, whether it's your dad or a friend or a yes. professional. But how how has that that background helped you? like with the purchase decision and what you're doing today? Yeah, so I would say that, you know, kind of going back to like, there's two two key aspects for me. One is sort of the intangible, you know, relationship, team, culture. You do feel good about the, the you know, non-financial side of the business, which is crucial. And then there's also it's the fundamental financial question. Like, is this business profitable? Are you going to make money? Um, because without that, you, you can't have a team if you're not, a viable company. So um, being able to use some of that finance experience was really helpful during the due diligence phase. Um, and then also kind of in the day-to-day, you know, you have to know like what's in the bank, when do we need to pay inventory? Okay, rent's due, okay, payroll's on the 15th. So you, you have to have a, a pretty fundamental understanding of, you know, the ins and outs of cash flow, but it's not rocket science by any means. And I think that anybody can learn and teach themselves these things. Um, so that's, that's been comforting to me. I mean, I've, you know, working at Goldman, we did these crazy Excel models and even at, um, at Hunt, all of these financial crazy projections dealing with oil prices and these, all these different metrics. And, um, you know, while that's great, it's, we don't need that at the pillow bar. It's, it's not everything needs to be super complicated. So that's been great. I mean, I think I've been in Excel I used to spend like 12 hours a day in Excel and now I'm spending one hour a day in Excel, which is great um, for my mental health, but also just shows that a lot of this is just kind of the fundamentals. And I think that anybody can teach themselves that um, and particularly if they have a, a partner or a friend that can help along the way. But so having the, having the background was helpful, although I, I feel confident that most people, I mean, pretty much anyone can teach themselves this stuff. So. I love hearing that because I think it does. I, I say often like learning to be good with money is just like 
jumping off a diving board for the yeah. first time. Like it seems exactly. super scary, but yes. actually like, it's really not that far away from the water and like, you know how to swim. So yes. I think that that is, um, something that is such a good message to women and anyone really, that it's just, you can do it like, you know, absolutely. And attitude is such a huge component of all this too. And I think women can multitask. And I think women have actually have a are really well suited for small businesses because you have to wear a ton of hats. And I think we do that as women, you know, every day um, we're doing all kinds of stuff um, at the same time and juggling all kinds of balls in the air. And that's what a small business is. So I actually think that we're really well suited um, to do this kind of stuff. And, you know, finance is one of the balls in the air, but so is marketing, HR, like dealing with people, knowing your customers. So it's just one component of a much bigger puzzle. Totally. Mm-hmm. And what about balancing all those hats that you're wearing at work and now with being the mom of, of two, how has that been? Oh, well, I'm the mom of two for, I guess, eight days now. So TBD on that part. But <laughs> I think that's like so amazing that you're, eight days. Eight days, yeah. that's awesome. you're, you're not seeing like my huge cup of coffee right here, but um, so we're, we're managing right now, but honestly, a lot of it is just kind of balanced. Um, I remember a business school, somebody, there's a um, female entrepreneur that said this and it stuck with me and she's saying, you know, there are days where I feel like a fantastic businesswoman and there are days where I feel like a just fantastic mother and rarely do those fall on the same day. So, you know, there's going to be, you're going to have to give and take, um, and you're going to have to rely on, you know, your, your team, your, um, your family, your tribe, or whatever you want to call it, whether that's know your partner or your friends or your um your colleagues you can't do it all by yourself and you know I think we talked about this Emily just communication too so my husband and I will sit down every day and we'll just talk about you know today's gonna be really tough I'm gonna need you to do x and you just really have to almost over communicate how you're doing um because you can't do it by yourself and whether that's with your, your again your partner or your team you know my team we were very open and honest about what these two months were going to look like after I gave birth. Um, and I was just set very clear expectations on what I could and couldn't do. And then because of that, we were able to come up with a game plan. So I think people are supportive. We, we want to help one another, but you can't you know, help someone who isn't asking for help. So just communicating yeah. is, is a key part. Um, and I've been really blessed to you know, again, have people that support me and that we are able to just say, hey, I need some help. I'm raising my hand here. Um, and it works out. I always say that's like the secret to any business is just like, we do not have a hard time getting really great advice because you just say like, I need help here. Like, yeah. can you help me? And then people do like, it's yeah. not, we were, we were driving back from New Orleans and we had a fun friend. We were just talking to someone and, um, you know, I said, you just ask for help. Like, and that's yeah. it's that simple. And they're like, well, what if they say no? I'm like, well, then they do. But like, that doesn't happen very much, you know? No, it's like, yeah. If someone's going to say no to helping you, that really says something about more about them than it does about you anyway. Yeah, exactly. No, I know. And I think that again, kind of going back to, um, you know, I think why women are really well suited for this. We, we sympathize and we empathize and we understand and want to help one another. And we're comfortable asking each other for help. Um, when you're in a situation where you, you trust one another. So um, I think that we're particularly well-suited to do that, where maybe you know, with my husband, it's been more of a coaching process, like the, the asking and communicating for help. But we as women are, are communicative and um, 
yeah, we, we support one another and we, we get it. So, yeah, I love that. Um, okay. So at the end of every call, we ask our speaker, you know, why did you say yes to the wealth edit? Or, you know, why do you think it's important that women open up conversations about money and yeah. wealth? Okay. Well, I mean, honestly, I love what you guys are doing because, um, there's a real stigma about talking about money and I totally, I get it. Um, you know, I, I'm even like, I get uncomfortable talking about it. It's sort of, I can see my body language even change just hearing the question, but <laughs> you got to talk about it. Um, and we don't do that enough. Um, and I was really lucky in that my dad growing up was very upfront about, you know, credit scores, credit cards. He opened up a credit card for us when we were 10 years old and we would go to the gas station every month, fill up the tank and he would show us, you know, okay, this, this is a credit card. This is how it works. And then we'd go and pay the bill together. And then through that, we built a credit score and I learned what a credit score was. Um, we would talk about the stock market. We would talk about companies and things like that. But I knew so many people who that, that was just not a thing. And I have friends now in their mid thirties who don't have credit cards. Um, and, you know, no judgment at all. And I totally get it. Cause if you haven't had someone explain that to you, you may not there. And now they're at a point where I think it's scary to open up a credit card, but, um, you just got to talk about it and get people more comfortable about it. Um, you never know what life's going to bring you and, um, knowledge is power. So just knowing, knowing where you stand, knowing how to do things, um, is huge. So I, I love the mission that you guys have. Um, and I'm all about, you know, us learning and helping one another. I love so that. Good. Thank you, Connie. I appreciate it. And I love what you said, in, you know, with your dad, it doesn't have to be like, let's sit down and have a weekly meeting about money. It's just no. every day. It's just <laughs> every day. Like, how does this apply? Like, did you hear this in the news? Did, you know, and I, I've been working with my oldest with the credit card and like looking at the statement and mm -hmm. yeah. how it adds up and what's the difference between a minimum payment and paying the whole thing off. And really, I mean, it's just, we usually do it over breakfast, which is great. And I'm sure she loves it, but I just will like put it out and I'll be like, let's look over what you've spent this month. And every time she's shocked and yeah. it's like, yes, you know, I mean, yeah. that's yeah. really basically, but it's interesting that she'll say, I don't think anybody else talks about this kind of stuff, mom. Yeah. I think, and yeah, but it's this valuable conversations that seem sort of inconsequential, but that's just where it starts. And it, like you said, it makes the biggest difference every time. It just makes it not so taboo. Yeah. What a blessing for your daughter that she'll have this knowledge that she can then show her friends how to use all. Well, I love yeah. when my daughter like goes to CVS and her green light card is declined and she's like, mom, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you're out. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so my daughter yesterday, we have a green wise. Do y'all have a Publix green wise where it's like the a healthy Publix? I don't know. No, if it's, we don't have Publix in Dallas, but okay. I've heard all, I've heard all about okay, it. Okay, so, so we have a Publix, but it's like a healthy Publix. So, sure. and, uh, everybody they still have like Lay's potatoes. Everybody revolted. They, they revolted, and so they had to put yeah, in some things like Oreos and potato chips and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Anyway, they go. They have this little area where you can study, and so I dropped her off after school with some friends to study for biology tests, and she got in the car, and a lot of times they'll get a snack, and so I said, well, did you buy anything? She said, well, I had to buy some shampoo. <laughs> because we're out so I use my own money and she's like 
I bought this tight because the bottle was cute. And there was another one with a cute bottle, but it was $12. And this one was only four. And so <laughs> I have this. So she pulls it out. It's a bottle of Tresemme. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, I was like, nice. And it was like black with a hot pink. You know, she's like, I like the hot pink. I was like, okay. And so <laughs> last night she went in and she got out her shampoo. And she's like, I'm going to be careful how much I use of this. And so I had to spend, <laughs> spend my own money. So, it feels different when it's yours. It yeah. feels a lot different. And on like the fifth top of Michigan, I was like, Camille, you know, reimbursed. Oh, <laughs> she came out, she's like, look at my hair. I think this Tresemme is like really nice shampoo. That is so funny. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> but I just, it's just that ownership. It's like learning yeah. how to buy stuff, thinking through the decisions that you make. And it's so sweet, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> got some gray hair too. Everybody needs to go try the Tresemme. It's got a model, <laughs> affordable. Yeah. Well, um, we, I was just like scrolling through your website while we were sitting here and y'all have some really cute things like this travel set. I want someone to get me the Globe travel, Trotter travel set in white with like yeah. a little monogram. It's so cute. Yeah, but, um, out there. yeah, like yeah. <laughs> I just put it out there just yeah. in case someone needs to buy me a present. So anyway, but yeah, yeah, thank you so much. And um, I, if our if our listeners want to purchase something from the Pillow Bar, what's the best way to, for them to reach you all? Yeah, well, thank you for asking. So um, we have the national retail partners. You can find us on Neiman's, Bed Bath & Beyond, Macy's, um all kinds of you know online stores and you can also purchase from our website where you can um, customize with all the fun monogram options you can see what the monograms look like on your product so check out the pillowbar.com as well it's so great well thank you connie we enjoyed our conversation thank you have a fun day with babies (laughs) i will i will thank you so much see you later bye We hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you want to learn more about our website, please check us out at www.wealthedit.com. The Wealth Edit is an online membership-based community for women looking to confidently discuss and expand their knowledge of personal finance. Our community provides a space for women of all ages to gather, learn, and plan their financial journey through virtual courses, weekly guest speakers, and educational content.